brought to you by Fruitnet Media. This is Fruitbox. Hello and welcome to Fruitbox, Fruitnet series of conversations about the fresh fruit and vegetable business with me, Chris White. Every week I talk down the line from here in London with people from across the world of fresh produce about some of the biggest issues they face today. I want these 15 minute conversations to give you the best insight into how to do better business in fresh fruits and vegetables. Now, today I want to talk about supermarket shopping for fresh fruits and vegetables. Normally on Fruitbox, we talk about supermarkets from a a trade perspective, about their operations, about stuff like margins, sourcing, procurement, ranging, and so on. But today I'd like to look in a rather more general way at supermarkets, about the experience of supermarket shopping. After all, we all do it, don't we? Uh, And what supermarkets are doing, or perhaps what they need to do, to improve the customer experience. And the implications these improvements are likely to have on supermarkets in future. After all, shoppers like shopping, but why is it that so many shoppers, at least that's what I hear, don't really like shopping in supermarkets? To look at some of these questions and perhaps to answer them, I'm delighted to be joined down the line from his office in Sydney, Australia, by Mark Landini of Landini Associates. Mark, welcome to Fruitbox. Hi, how are you? Or should I say g'day? (laughs) It's good to have you on um, and thank you for joining us. Um, Your slogan is reinventing normal. Tell us Hmm. more of what you do at, at Landini Associates. Well, I mean, I like talking about margins and operations and stuff like that, actually, to, uh, to contradict you before we even get into it. Because <laughs> uh, what we do as a design company is to, is to make retailers richer. Um, and in, in order to do that, you, particularly in fruit and vegetables, time and motion is probably one of the most important things because the margins are so low and the labour costs are so high. So, you know, we start any project by... Um, as you say, slogan uh, using using reinventing normal to uh, which is really just a way of of breaking things down and seeing if they work properly. Um, but it's also actually to to review whether or not the starting point uh, was the correct starting point as well. Because you know Amazon has only been going for ten thousand days. Um, in fact, Jeff Bezos started his company at the same time, I think, the same month as I started mine. One of us has done quite well. <laughs> um, and, you know, 10,000 days ago, you wouldn't have had, uh, I'm sure, something that we're going to touch on today. So things have to change. Things do change. And you need to review whether or not your starting point's right. Um, and I'm sure we'll get on to where the supermarket is going wrong uh, further down the track. So you're all about redesigning or helping supermarkets to redesign themselves to, to sell more product, essentially. Well, I mean, what else would a commercial designer do? Um, I mean, I, having worked around the world and working around the world, we do notice that a lot of our competitors uh, are used quite superficially by um, by their customers. And so design is often considered to be purely decorative and something that you apply to, to the skeleton of, an, of a business uh, after that skeleton has been determined. But we get in there um, before that skeleton is determined and actually... We apply the decoration, but that is really only secondary to what we what we primarily do, which is to actually review how to make things work better, how to function better, and in the case of fruit and vegetables, how to look better. 
No, so, so, so as I said, uh, for very many people, um, to go shopping for food at a supermarket is, is often considered one of their weekly chores, one of the things they argue about, about who's going to do it. And it's mm. something in, in many ways they kind of almost prefer not to do. But their aversion to food shopping has, I guess, little to do with the food they buy. It's got everything to do with the supermarket they shop at. Do you think that's a fair summary? Well, yeah. Um... Supermarkets have always been operationally driven. Uh, you know, they were invented in the 30s as a consequence of the Depression to bring volume and low-margin product to people. Um, and therefore, they were really a selling machine that didn't exist previously when, you know, uh, people used to go to the grocer who had more time and more energy to talk to you. So, you know, they're a very different beast to that which uh, they've become. Um, However, that that I mean that's a really good example of reinventing normal. No one's actually chosen to to review or reinvent whether to actually cover the front of your store from you know from left to right with a transactional um, device called a checkout. Um, you know, if you were to go to Selfridges, I'm sure you'll find that checkouts aren't in their windows. They do not use them as a description of what you're about to do, i.e., part with your money. So, um, you know, that, I think that's a really good example. I think when, when things were so cheap and this was a novel idea, that was a really good place to put them. But there are plenty cheap places to put them where they will still function equally well. Or alternately not have them all together, as uh, Mr. Bezos is, uh, is uh, about to um, change our life with. <laughs> that's the Amazon Fresh store. We'll talk, talk about that. In yeah. So, so, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, to answer your question, yes, they're boring, uh, by and large. Some are better than others. Fruit and vegetables are normally displayed reasonably well, various degrees of success. Um, I think um, often they are covered up by facetious thematic design that is completely unnecessary, very expensive, and um, not very well lit. Um, we always start with the, with the display, the layout and the lighting, um, and then see what money we've got left over, mm. um, not the other way around. But, but it's, it, it seems to me that, that um, a lot of about supermarkets today is about maximising the efficiencies of the retailer, which is nothing wrong with that, but it's rather than maximising the enjoyment of the shopper. Uh, and do you think it's fair to think that, or to say that, if supermarket shopping goes on like this, that it, it doesn't really have much of a future if it doesn't pay more attention to the needs of the shopper in terms of the shopping experience? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really not a big fan of, of what has become known as experiential design, um, as though, you know, the world has suddenly woken up to this tranche of 25-year-old experiential experts. Um, you know, as if the Sistine Chapel wasn't an experience. Um, you know, some of the great markets of the world weren't experiences or aren't experiences. Um, I think the, the thing that supermarkets have forgotten is that they, they started as markets and they sell largely the same product. Um, and therefore, they can actually be exciting, chaotic, um, wonderful, noisy, shouty places. Um, but as I've said, they've become operationally led and, and largely sanitized as a consequence. And, and, and they don't actually make use of, of the, valuable, the value of the assets, which it is that they have, which are exactly the same as markets. So 
really it's just uh you know they they need reinventing and someone needs to um get the grown-ups in the room and actually have a jolly good talking to them and, and see whether or not they can't actually reach something which is a bit more sensible because i mean you know borough market is in terms of what it sells no different to the latest morrisons but i can guarantee where i'd rather go uh, borough market is the is the the food market here in in london and morrisons is the is one of our, our retailers in, in this country. We talked about uh, Amazon Fresh a moment ago, and it's opened its mm-hmm. first stores here in London. It's got stores, of course, in, in the US. And, and it seems to me all there, all the talk is, a, is about tech. And that tech is all about how you get shoppers kind of out of the store as efficiently as possible. Mm. Is this tech really just a, a brand new and very expensive what, what, of what we call retail theatre um, and if it is retail theater, is it the kind of wrong type of retail theater that we're actually investing loads of money into get getting people out of the shops when we need to actually keep people in the stores to buy? Well, I think that after fire, the wheel, the iPhone, um, probably the most significant thing that's come into play in mankind's universe is has been created by Mr. Bezos. Um, Ironically, he's not even a retailer. You know, he's actually a supply system um, operator. And maybe that's why he realized that actually the single most uh, hated thing about supermarket shopping is the queuing up at the end of it. Why you would choose to leave your customer with a hateful experience um, is rather beyond me. Um, And so Bezos uh, has actually thought, well, how can I make that experience better? And it's basically allow everyone to feel as though they're shoplifting, which is brilliant. Um, I think, uh, you know, that there is no, there is visible technology and and I'm sure they they took the view to actually expose it rather than try and hide it because people will find out about it. And perhaps that's why they're talking about it because they're all marveling at how it works. but what it does is it actually relieves people from something which they find hateful and, and, and horrible. Now, what no one's actually really thought about is that if you can just walk out, you can also just walk in. And if you can just walk in anywhere, that means that it can be as permeable, a supermarket could be as permeable as a, as, as, as a market could be, which doesn't have an entrance and an exit. It actually has multiple entrance and exits because it sits within a town. Uh, You know, one part might be near cafes, another part might be the delivery docks and so on and so forth. So I don't think we've even began to scratch the surface of the design implications of that, what that technology might bring to the customer experience. For example, car parks can be 360 degrees around a freestanding building. You know, there is no good or bad spot. uh, and I, you know, I actually think the man is a is an absolute um, driven uh, genius. And uh, I do think that customers or supermarkets that don't have that technology um, in five years' time will will be out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend a lot of time in supermarkets every everywhere in the world, and and like you, I also love going into them and shopping for food. It's a business for you. The, the two most expi- exciting stores I've been in in recent years are the uh, Herma Fresh Hippo store in central Shanghai, run by Alibaba, another tech yeah. company, and uh, a, a store called Grand Frais, which you may know in, in France, uh, which is all yeah. about kind of bringing the experience of a, of a street market into a, a high-tech store. 
Um, mm. What lessons do you think these kind of stores have for the way we'll shop for food in, in future? Well, they do things that um, markets do. As I said before, they, they've remembered that supermarket and market are two words. One's an adjective and one's a noun. Um, you know, when supermarkets were invented post-depression, I'm sure the marketeers were sitting around scratching their heads trying to work out, well, how can we disguise this as something better than it's actually going to be from an experience point of view? Oh, I know, let's call them supermarkets because that will make them better. Well, it didn't. And what Hemmer have done is actually dismantle um, those two words and actually decide to create a super market. Um, what Hemmer, the reason Hemmer is so exciting is, or, uh, is because it is like a market. Things are not only being delivered to it in real time and stacked on it in real time, but people and people are bumping into each other and it's very noisy and it's very uh, exciting and people are shouting and talking and falling in love and falling out of love. And that's the way it's designed. But it's also the distribution center for home deliveries. Um, in Shanghai, they're now competing on 28 minutes. I think it's the, the latest uh, time that you can get it to your apartment, which is you know easy to do in Shanghai because everyone lives in apartments and everyone has a, every apartment has a concierge. So it's quite easy to get stuff to people. Um, but what they're doing is rather than actually doing that from a distribution center, they're using the shop as the, as the, the stock room. They don't have any stock rooms. They just use the shop as that. And people are picking those goods in front of you. And then they go into baskets and fly overhead a bit like they do in, um, what's it called, uh, B&H Photo in New York. I don't know if you've been there, but that's, you know, uses the same system mm. uh, to actually stop you from having to walk around carrying stuff. Um, it goes to a spot where you actually then eventually go and pay it once it's been packed up and, you know, makes a huge amount of sense. So really what Hemmer is doing is reintroducing the operations of a market visibly into a supermarket and allowing you to experience them. And for me, that's an experience. For me, an experience is not thematics, but trying to pretend that I'm in Venice when I know I'm in Wigan, you know, trying to pretend that I'm in Warsaw when I'm in Walton-on-Thames. You know, that's, that's not design. That is, is, in my view, bullshit and a waste of money, particularly when you have a business as exciting and as virile and as uh, you know, wonderful as the sale of, of fresh produce. Why would you try and hide it? Why would you try and hide the delivery of it? Why would you try and hide the shouting? Um, I mean, Seattle, there's a fish market where they throw fish across it. I'm sure you've been there. Um, they don't need to throw the fish across it, but you know, people queue up to watch. <laughs> I've been to many street markets across uh, Italy and France where it feels rather like that. And it's, a, it's an exciting place uh, to do, to, sh to shop for food. Now, I came across you, Mark, because of, well, I, I've been in, obviously into stores that you've designed without realising it. The local mm. Marks and Spencers here where I live in, in central London is one. Uh, I came across you because of a video you posted on LinkedIn. And I'd urge uh, listeners to Fruitbox to check it out. It shows the work you've done to develop a new concept for Aldi in Australia. Hmm. Tell, tell us some more about that project. Well, we've been working with Aldi for, for quite a long time now. We actually um, redesigned all their stores in Australia. I think it's about 650 that have been refurbished to one design uh, in a singular way in three years. And they're now trading 
you know, beyond their wildest dreams. Um, consequently, we were then asked to, to help them uh, introduce themselves as a business into China um, with a very, very different model to what anyone had expected. Um, it was based on convenience, but also on high quality, safe products, um, as opposed to um, the copy watches that you can get in China, you know, for FMCG brands that you think you might be buying. Well, they're not, they're often, they're often bad for you. Um, Corner Store, which is what you're referring to, is uh, Aldi's attempt to really return to its roots. Um, the business was started in Germany by uh, the mother of the two brothers who run it now. And um, it was, again, a post-war thing, and she was trying to sell um, products very cheaply. And when they took it over, they realized that, that actually the limited range of products that she sold, which she could then buy, uh, more cheaply because she was buying in bulk was a really good model and hence Aldi came out. And I don't think I know a better uh, business model um, anywhere in the world. Um, what Aldi do is they curate. Um, they only have one can of baked beans or possibly two. One might be organic now that you can buy. Um, they've made all the decisions for you in, with regards to shampoo or washing up liquid or whatever. They found the very, very, very best that they can possibly find for a certain price and they bring that to you. And that allows them to have a smaller footprint, build their own buildings and, um, and operate very efficiently. What it has led to largely, however, is for those things need requiring you to drive to them. Um, and as people become more interested in staying in and retreating to their communities, and I think local becomes more important for any number of reasons, really all they're doing is returning to their roots and looking for a different format, which they can uh, not build the building for, but actually refurbish the building for in, in and within community. And so that's what we're doing. Um, part of the job was to name it because you need to differentiate it from marketing purposes because they carry different, different. Uh, they still carry all the market goods, which change every Wednesday and Saturday, but they uh, there's a slightly smaller, uh, more targeted range of products, including freshly made coffee, uh, which would put any chain in the UK to shame and you know, freshly baked bread from Simona Bakery and so on and so forth. Um, but I think a really important part of what we, we were thinking about when we designed that was how do you do a corner store by one of the world's largest retailers that isn't patronizing uh, its community. So rather than having a sign above the door that says, welcome to Walton on Thames and black and white, you know, tastefully taken black and white photographs of the river to demonstrate that you, you know, you are at one with the community. Um, we managed to talk to Aldi who are very intelligent people to do something which was unique to that community. And so we commissioned artists and we worked with an artist uh, on that first store. And we will work and continue to work with artists on every single other store, a different artist from that community per store. And that then has a, an impact on the packaging, that has an impact on the, the uniforms that the, the, the team wear and so on and so forth. So it does genuinely respond to the local neighborhood and the, the story uh, around it is built on that and, and, and communicated through the art. So the other thing about it is that uh, I think COVID's probably led to this, but people were getting very, and you mentioned it in, in the UK, it's, there's no joy in shopping anymore. So really all we were trying to do is put a smile on people's faces and actually bring back some joy because it should be joyful. Um, my, my Italian aunt who I grew up with, used to go to the market three times a day. And when I asked her why, she said, you know, I said, you've got a fridge, you can just do it once. 
um, she, she, she cussed at me and said, you're an idiot. Um, I don't go to the market to shop. I go to the market to gossip. Uh, meet my friends and have a coffee and and really that was a joyful experience for her yeah. shopping should be a, a social uh, connecting uh, human uh, experience you can buy stuff online and i think america next year the sales going to be 20 percent of groceries going to be online but you can't smell the fruit and vegetables on your computer and you can't argue or fall in love well you can apparently fall in love excuse me i'm wrong about that but you can certainly uh, <laughs> can't do a lot of the things that the senses require you to do. So really all we were doing with Aldi is to, is to try and introduce some of those back into the retail mix. And just because it's a discounter doesn't mean it has to look like a, um, a lift in the, in the council estate. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that actually going into an Aldi store was something of that experience. I mean, it was a very Spartan shopping experience. Uh, certainly, um, until quite recently, actually, actually in Germany, where, where of course, Aldi originated. The fact that you can get a, a, a company with the operational efficiencies of an Aldi together with that retail theatre or that fun, that joy of shopping that you've talked about, makes it a really unbeatable mix, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I believe so. And as I said to you earlier, I mean, every, every project that we start with actually starts with the operation, not the marketing. The marketing is something you layer on afterwards. And, and Aldi is a supreme operator and, and a great joy to work with. When we were doing the first store, um, the one of the managing, they always have two managing directors when they start in a, in a new area. One of the managing directors turned to the other managing director and said, what do you think? We were looking at a prototype. And he said, it doesn't matter what I think, show me the data. Um, <laughs> which is a beautifully Germanic way, I think. Uh, of, of, of approaching a design problem um, and, and, and a delight to work with as a consequence. Um, you know, they don't tell us what it should look like. They, they listen. Uh, and, and Aldi are very, very, very good at listening, a bit like Mr. Bezos. <laughs> now, what's your take on the way supermarkets sell their fresh fruits and vegetables? What, what could they do better, in your opinion, and what do they need to do better well have something that tastes of something would be a good starting point so i think you know the forced production of of unseasonally you know related produce is something that unfortunately is going to be very difficult to change particularly in the uk um you know we have less of that here in australia where people aren't used to um being force-fed tasteless um courgettes you know when they're out of season um so i think you know one has to focus back on the product every single time um, the design is secondary to the to the merchandise that you buy, and, and and rightly so. So I think the first thing people can do is focus, you know, on the quality of the produce um, and the value of it. Um, and that doesn't mean screwing down the suppliers either. Um, I mean, again, Aldi have a wonderful corporate expression. One of their values is make just enough profit, which basically means respect everyone involved and and don't try and hurt anyone because we're all in this together. So um, I think more companies should, should look at the way they're structured, look at the way they're built, look at the values that they have, and, and really concentrate on bringing the very best product they can to, to their customers, first and foremost. I think the problem probably uh, with UK supermarkets, we're going to talk to, about that, is that they're very, very heavily siloed um, as businesses. And, you know, that is in part due to the kind of class system that, that isn't you know prevalent in the UK and the sort of medieval ladder of being you can only 
go two steps up the lung or one step down. Um, but businesses in the UK and, and, and all over the world are very heavily siloed. You know, the, each buyer has a, you know, a KPI, which he has to perform, she performs to, and so on and so forth. And they're given space within which they have to operate. Well, people don't shop like that. You know, if I'm buying a beef steak, I want to buy some radish or something to go with it. Um, I don't want to have to walk 50 yards to go and get that. So I think people have to really break down those silos, which drive the inability to cross merchandise or merchandise in a way that, you know, is intelligible to the shopping experience, of which there are many. I mean, I work with Essay Lunga, looked at trying to create a layout that delivered um, the same value as a convenience store to a, to a two-hour shop. This is uh, in Italy. In Italy, yeah. So, you know, if we knew that if someone wanted to buy a sandwich, then put the cafe outside in the front. If someone wanted to buy some fruit and vegetables and some meat, make it really accessible. If someone wants to then add some dairy to that, don't put it in the back to actually drag you through past the toilet paper, but actually put it in the front. So, you know, I think planning, uh, if you can't deconstruct the silos, you can at least deconstruct the planning and actually make that a more uh, relevant uh, customer experience. And, and, and keep it simple, it sounds like. And keep it simple because, you know, you're selling wonderfully good-looking stuff. I saw a, a thing the other day on LinkedIn of someone, some genius that actually was trying to sell Smith's crisps or something. I don't remember. And, you know, the point of sale system was electronically pulsating as you walk past it. And, you know, I'd, I'd want to run and hide from that. You know, I'd much rather know what's in the chips. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have a problem with artificial flavouring. In fact, I love it. Um, but I don't need flashing lights to drag me towards it. Well, look, we're in fresh fruits and vegetables and nothing is artificial about our flavours. What, what's your favourite fruit and your favourite vegetable? For what it's worth, mine is an apricot and an artichoke. You? Fancy. Um, yeah, um, well, I think mine would just be one, because um, I believe in simplicity. I'll choose one that is both, which is a tomato. Um, uh, I'm also half Italian, so we use a lot of them. Well, I'm half Italian too, so I, I use a lot of them as well. Mark, our, our more than 15 minutes are up, and I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today on Fruitbox. I was joined today from his offices in Sydney by Mark Landini of Landini Associates. Thank you so much for joining me today on Fruitbox, Mark. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Nice to meet you. Now, you can find today's conversation with Mark and the many others I'm having here on Fruitbox on our website, fruitnet.com. I share every episode of Fruitbox on my profile on LinkedIn, so do connect with me there too. Please post any comments you have on what you hear, and please reshare my post with your followers too. That applies also to my guests, I should say. And don't forget, let me know what issues you want to hear discussed here on Fruitbox. So do stay tuned and continue to make Fruitbox your regular listen. That was Fruitbox, and this is Chris White. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. To sponsor a future episode, please email advertising at fruitnet.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Fruitnet Live. And don't forget you can keep up to date with all the latest fresh produce industry news at fruitnet.com.